Bubbles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Welcome back to the Sports Project, everyone. My name is Breck Snyder. Next to Peter Meech, we have... Um, <laughs> we have... Um, college football predictions and NFL predictions that we want to talk about today. So, Pete, let's start it off. Let's talk about TCU and Texas. Um, TCU is coming off of a tough loss against Ohio State. Played a pretty good game up until maybe about halfway through the third quarter. Sticking around, Texas ends up you know beating USC. Right, where do you where do you see this thing going? <laughs> This is kind of a tough one for me because it's two of the teams that I haven't seen much of. You know, I can only see like the stats that I'm kind of like going off of. Um, TCU is kind of interesting because I think they have a lot of potential. They're, according to uh, the stats that I'm looking at, Ohio State versus TCU. They played a really good game. You know, like they had very solid numbers as far as like their rushing and aerial attack. Um, it's just Ohio State did better. So they're a very well-balanced team from what I'm looking at from the outside looking in. And same with Texas, too. You know, kudos to Texas for beating USC. That's not an easy match to win. Um, I know USC isn't anything amazing, but they're still a pretty damn good team, right? They're a good team. USC is, um, I mean, they have a true freshman starting at quarterback this year. So, I mean, I'm... Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but maybe in, you know, two or three years, this guy is a Heisman candidate. Yep. Which most likely he will be because it's you USC. Go to, you go to yeah. USC to be a Heisman candidate. Right. So within this one, I'm I'm probably going to lean more towards Texas than I am TCU because I think Texas is going to ride that high. Um, and this is purely this whole pick is kind of based off of emotion. I'm just kind of thinking from my perspective. Um, I'm thinking of it from a perspective of like, I think T- or Texas played a really good match against USC. They basically dominated 1437. They went uh, 223 yards for two touchdowns throwing. Um, and they played really good on the running attack too. They're very balanced within the running attack. So for me, I'm going to pick Texas on this one. But again, this is two of the teams that this is a game that I'm really looking forward to because I think TCU has a lot of hype and then Texas is starting to get a lot of hype, especially with what they did against USC. So this is going to be this is like one of those games where it's like perfect for this week. Right. You know, you have this team that's riding this hype because they just beat USC and you have this team that has pretty high expectations, even though they just came off of a loss. But because of that, I'm going to go with Texas for this one. What are your picks, dude? So for me, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because, um, you know, TCU, again, like I said, they had a pretty good game against Ohio State up until midway through the third quarter. You know, kind of sticking around uh, and really let these guys pull away, it felt like. But um, TCU, I mean, you just look at it. Sean Robinson, he went 24 of 40 for 308 yards and one TD. Two interceptions on that, but, I mean, you know, the, those are going to happen in those big games. I mean, I view most times interceptions are mental mistakes, and I feel Ohio State is one of those teams that makes people 
cause mental mistakes. Like these aren't things where they just accidentally happen. A lot of tip balls, anything like that. These are disguising coverages and confusing the other side. They're very well oiled machine. Whereas Texas and with Tom Herman, I believe this is his second year at Texas and coming from university of Houston. Um, you know, he, He's brought a little bit of a spark to to Texas, you know, and, and beating USC is no small task by any means, no matter who's at quarterback. Um, Especially with how much hype they built around this game, too. You know, like, this is the third act in Texas versus USC. They build this entire hype around, you know, Vince Young and, you know, they'll come back and all that stuff. Yep. and. They're basically calling this like the third installment of Texas versus USC. So there's a lot of hype coming into this game. And for them to pull out the way that they did and to do what they did in this match is pretty impressive. Yeah. And the thing about Texas, ever since they won that national championship, I mean, I think it was the year or two after that, they made it back with Colt McCoy and lost to Florida. But the thing about that is... Since then, man, I mean, they haven't been a, a national powerhouse. It's kind of shifted over to the SEC. And, you know, Texas, they, they have all these big, I mean, there's a lot of media around them. They have they, they have to win. There's no ifs, ands, or buts at Texas. Yep, for and, sure. you know, they just haven't been living up to that. And in years past, you know, I've watched a lot of their games, and it's just so frustrating because this goes down to mental mistakes and, Really, that's it, man. I mean, they're losing games because they can't be focused on the game of football and what they're doing. There's a lot of players that have come into the program and they, you know, act like they're hot shit. And, you know, they, because they're at University of Texas over at UT and they come in and, you know, they're causing problems and the team just can't. It, it's not operating the right way. So it's it's really interesting to, to see this game play out. But I think I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with TCU on this one. I think, I think TCU has a, a pretty explosive offense, um, and I, I don't know how the the Texas Longhorns, are, their defense specifically, is going to be able to keep up with this. So, All right, let's shift to Mississippi State, Kentucky. So This is, this is the one that I'm kind of looking forward to just because Kentucky's doing some great things and Mississippi State is ranked pretty high up there and for me what makes it interesting is the fact that Kentucky's 3-0 like we're still the debate's kind of like Kentucky's not ranked yet you know the debate is still kind of up on Kentucky like what can they really do you know they did play Florida and they beat them 27-16 that to me is very impressive it's the first time they did anything like that since 1986 um so Kentucky's on the up and up, and Kentucky's well known to being a basketball school, um, but clearly there's something there, right? You know, and I'm kind of curious to see. It's not. It, I'm not trying to say Kentucky's going to be great. Like I'm not going. I'm not just trying to say. You know, Kentucky could lose their next three games easily, right? Yeah. Um, but I am interested to see, like against Mississippi State, what can this Kentucky team do? I am interested to see this 3-0 and team in Kentucky. What can they do right now against a the 14th-ranked team in the nation? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's an interesting thought, right, because they did beat Florida 27-16. to um, I mean, the game before that was Central Michigan and then Murray State last week. But if, if you look at it, 
there's a reason why I picked this game over any other is I'm a super big fan of Terry Wilson Jr. And the reason being is because he's actually an ex-Oregon Duck. Um, he, he came in his freshman year at Oregon two years ago. And I believe, don't quote me on this, but he either redshirted or he ended up watching from the sidelines the whole time. Uh, made his way to junior college last season, and then Kentucky picks him up this year. And I just think he's a pretty explosive player and really brings a new dynamic to the offense that Kentucky hasn't necessarily seen in years past. So he's uh, an X factor in my opinion. Um, But when it comes to playing a number 14 Mississippi State, I mean, Mississippi State is someone who's always up there in – in the SEC, I mean, they're obviously not the Alabamas of the world, but I mean, it's it's a very competitive conference in the fact that, you know, from, eh, I'll say from the top to maybe midway through the conference, every, anyone can beat each other at any given time. I w- in years past, I would have pegged Kentucky to actually be in the lower half that would never compete. Yeah, easily. So it's it's really interesting to see a matchup like this and, you know, having two undefeated teams. Um, I'm I'm going to say I'm rooting for Kentucky, and I, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to say they beat Mississippi State. Yeah. I think in order for Kentucky to beat Mississippi State, I think as much as I like, like you, I very much like uh, uh, Terry Wilson Jr. I think he's... I think he has a lot of potential. He's just, right now, he's putting up some mediocre numbers, right? Or some average numbers. I wouldn't say mediocre. Um, Some average numbers. For them to beat Mississippi State, he needs to bump it up a little bit more. Right now, they're very dependent on their running attack. Like, if you take a look at the numbers against Florida, Snell went for 27 carries, 175. Wilson went for, Terry Wilson went for 10 for 105. So they're killing it on the running portion, but they need to improve on the aerial attack. And I think that's where Wilson Jr. needs to kind of improve. And I think that's where he really needs to, in order for them to beat Mississippi State, he needs to play better um, on the offensive end as far as throwing the ball. He needs to distribute the ball better than he has. Um, Right now, they're very well dependent on their running attack, where... um, I'm not sure if they can go all all dependent on that against a team like Mississippi State and the 14th ranked team within that. So Mississippi, uh, you're picking them, Mississippi State. I'm gonna throw it up. Like I'm gonna say if 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 they go over 200 yards and he makes no errors and doesn't throw for any interception, Wilson Jr. That is, if they don't throw any interception and if he goes for over 200 yards. I think Kentucky's going to win. If he doesn't do that and he sticks to the same formula where it's been throughout the year or the first three games, then I think Mississippi State's going to win because I think what ends up happening is I think if he throws for over 200 yards, that's going to open up the running game. And they're clearly pretty stacked on the running abilities of Kentucky. You know, they're a very good running team. They're very dependent on that, and they can run it down your throat. If they can open it up throwing-wise, then the floodgates are going to open for the running attack. So, Okay, awesome. Next one, Arizona State and Washington. So Washington is coming off 
If you listen to the last podcast, they're coming off a win against Utah, 21-7. Jake Browning having a mediocre day. Miles Gaskin really carrying the load. And then you have Arizona State, who actually just took an L last week. Who we um, freaking talked highly about after, the week before after that. After Michigan State. So maybe this is a, a case where the Big Ten isn't as good as we think. Maybe other than an, an Ohio State or... Michigan, who knows? Michigan, you never know at the end of the season. But losing to San Diego State last year, or last this week, year. sorry. Sorry. So losing to San Diego State last week, 28 to 21. Now, I mean, would you, would you have ever guessed that after what we saw against Michigan State? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, no, I would have never guessed that. But am I like crazy shocked at it? Maybe not, you know, because it is a new coach. It is a new system. There's going to, like, even on the defensive end, uh, we talk about Utah quite a bit. They always have those struggles on offensive end because they are constantly getting a new offensive coordinator, which is why they're so good on defense is because Coach Witt is the one that carries the load on defense. It's the same system every year. Arizona State, it's a new system. They're going to go through these pain points where it's going to be up high, up high, up high, right? And I think this is an example of them going through that low. Um, And am I super surprised at this? No. Do I think Arizona State is a better team than San Diego State? Yes. Um, But with that said, it is very disappointing to see them after that high of beating Michigan State and, you know, playing a really solid game against Michigan State. They go and drop the ball like that. And that kind of leaves more question marks for me against Washington, who is, if you listen, like like Bryce said, if you listen to, to the last episode, is a goddamn well-oiled machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. And, you know, just looking at what happened last week against San Diego State, Manny Wilkins, it, I mean, to me, it looks like he did all the work, uh, their quarterback. He went 31 for 46 for 341 yards and two touchdowns. That's not an accident. Um, and then he also had a rushing touchdown. So all three of the scores were attributed to Manny Wilkins. So, yeah, I think this is a, a case where other people need to step up. And I think definitely the defense for Arizona State. So we'll see how they fare against uh, Washington, who, again, we weren't really sure what we got out of Washington last week with their game against Utah because, again, it just didn't. It didn't feel like an actual game where it was super competitive. It was a lot of stop and go. Refs were involved for Washington. Um, Again, no bias because I went to Utah, but it's just, it's hard to to say what Washington's really all about. Mm -hmm. I think in order for Arizona State to win this game, they need to, we talk about it so much because I think... In my opinion, that's what football is. It needs to. There needs to be a balance. In order for you to uh, ball out through the air, you need to have a running attack because then that keeps the defense humble, right? That keeps them from of course. not pushing all the way back and not respecting the aerial attack or they're pushing forward because they don't respect the aerial attack or vice versa, right? So for me, their highest rusher against San Diego State went was Benjamin, 13 carries for 21 yards. That cannot happen. Yeah. In order for them to beat Washington, 
they need to carry they need to have more of an equal load. It cannot be Manny Wilkinson going for 31 for 46 for 341 yards and three touchdowns, two through the air and one through one running. So they need to be more balanced in that because I think that's ultimately going to open things up more so for them. They need to trust the run. They need to run it more. Um, and the amount of carries that they're going through the running attack, it, I think it just makes them a little bit more predictable. And a team like Washington, who I can easily say on the defensive end is better than San Diego State, they're going to need to do that. They yeah. need, they're going to need to open up the offense and be more balanced. They need to trust in the run a little bit more than they are throwing the ball. So, so who's your pick then? I think for me, this is as much as excited as I am for this game, and I think it could be a a really good game. I think ultimately Washington is going to win because I think Washington is just a well-oiled machine. I don't think they make mistakes. If they do make a mistake, it's you know, yes, they made a few mistakes against Utah, but none of them were minor. They had that one, or none of them are major mistakes. They did have that major mistake that could have led to a touchdown. But for the most part, they're a very clean team. They play very sound football, both on the offensive end and the defensive end. You're not going to beat them going big. You're going to have to beat them grinding it out, which is if Arizona State wants to win this game, they need to establish a run and they need to be a threat on the run because you're not gonna beat you're not gonna beat Washington State going for a bomber every single time. Yep, I agree. I think I agree with you on this one. Um, I think Washington's gonna win for the sake of our argument from last week's episode. I think it's really important that Arizona State wins because uh, we want. I mean, we're we were trying to make the case for the Pac-12 being. Uh, contender, and I think if I don't know, I, I I can see these games going one of two ways every single time. Obviously, I think I think the Pac-12 is the most competitive, so I almost worry that if Arizona pulls off a win right here, that looks bad mm-hmm. for the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, so. I could see it both ways. You know, as long as as long as there's that sense of balance within it, you know, like if Arizona State wins this week and then loses next week, then you have that sense of balance that, you know, we were talking about, like the sense of competitiveness throughout the entire conference. Okay. Awesome. So moving on to the NFL, um, first game is going to be the Thursday night game, uh, Jets and Browns. Um, who who do you have here and why? Heartbreak for the Browns, dude, missing two field goals to ice the game and to win the game um, last week against the uh, Saints was freaking difficult, dude. It's honestly so, like the- so. I I didn't watch this game, so just give me a high level on how this all how this all happened. It was a very like it was a very well matched game. You know, it was definitely like a back and forth, and then it went into. Um, the last minutes where they kept trading off field goals, right? And then the kicker for the Browns missed it twice, and the Saints ended up making it. Um, so for me, I think if I were to pick a team, and again, I'm going to be a little bit biased on this, you know, I I am kind of rooting for the Browns because I feel like they are kind of like this underdog team. They are definitely like this team that's like, it's almost like a scenario where everything could go wrong does go wrong. 
You know, they clearly could have easily won that game against uh, the Saints. They, you know, you could make the case that they could have won it if they could have just made some field goals. Um, but the fact is that they didn't, you know, and I think if I'm like my heart says the Browns and, you know, I don't know much about the Jets. I know that they have a rookie quarterback and and I know he's going to play those highs and lows. Right. And I'm willing to bet that I think the the defense of the Browns, which I f- feel like is a very solid defense and has a lot of potential. I think they I think this is a game where they can fully ball out. Right. Because they're playing against a unproven quarterback, a rookie quarterback, in um, Sam Darnold. Yep. And I think they can possibly do some things and really expose what the Jets can do on the offense. So, for the case of this, yes, I'm being a little bit biased because I do feel bad for the Browns. I almost feel heartbroken, even though I'm not a Browns fan. Um, I do feel heartbroken that they ended up losing this match against. Um, the Saints, you know, Saints put up freaking 18, 18 points in the fourth quarter versus the Browns six. So clearly they played a good match. It's just not fourth quarter. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Tarod, if I remember Tarod. correctly, Tarod Taylor went 20, 22 for 30 for 246 yards and one touchdown. Carlos Hyde, 16 carries for 43 yards. Um, Tarad had 26 yards on the ground, Nick Chubb 14. So to me, when I look at it, it, sounds, it really looks like that the, the running game isn't there right now for Cleveland. Um, maybe that's something that'll pick up. But, I mean, they have they have good running backs in, in Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb, who's a, a rookie out of Georgia. Um, but it's really interesting to see. I mean, the first week the Jets went off against the – the Lions, and now they're, they played the Dolphins last week. Sam Darnold went 20, 25 for 41 for 334 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Uh, and then on the ground, Isaiah Crowell, uh, 12 carries for 35 yards. Again, nothing great. Bilal Powell, five carries for six yards. Sam Darnold even got a yard off of two carries. So, yeah. I mean, it's – I don't really know, man. This is going to be an interesting game, but – I am rooting for the Browns because, I mean, they're already doing better than last year with their tie from two weeks ago. So we might as well just keep improving. So I'm going to go with the Browns. Awesome. So next, we're going to go to the Battle of L.A., Uh, the Rams and the Chargers. Who do you have here? Rams and the Chargers. I'm going to go with the Rams. They're riding this crazy high they seem like they're doing again this is the two teams to set the record straight these are the two teams i haven't seen much of i did see the chargers first game um but from what i hear is the rams are actually killing it this year and they seem to be they seem to be the team to beat right and they seem to be a team that is really making a progression from one year to the next right so for me if i were to make a quick uh unintelligent quote-unquote pick i'm gonna go with the rams i'm gonna follow with what i've been seeing the little bit of that i have seen from the rams um and from what i see i feel like they're a very well balanced team and i'm gonna go with the rams okay um i'm gonna be straight up with you as well i mean 
I think the reason why this podcast is awesome is because I, I think we challenge ourselves to watch teams that we don't typically watch. So the Chargers, I mean, I did watch week one. I have not watched any of the Rams games. So it'll be interesting to sit down and watch this game and see mm-hmm. how it all plays out. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of insight, but as far as you know, picking, I'm going to go with the Rams as well. Um, I just think that they're going to have a better game with Todd Gurley uh, running the ball. Uh, and yeah, we'll see. I think I think Philip Rivers sucks, even though he's on my fantasy team. So whatever, <laughs> he throws up points every once in a while. Okay, so now we're just going to talk about games that you know we're looking forward to. And I know one game in particular that you wanted to reference was the Raiders and the Dolphins. Uh, reason being is again John Gruden's now uh, running the Raiders at um, head coach level. So I guess uh, why that game? Why are you interested in that one? For me, it's the Raiders have lost all two of their games. They lost to the Rams, 33-13, and then they lost to the Broncos. Tough game to lose, 19-20. I think this is kind of... The reason why I'm interested in this game for the Raiders, number one, it's a new head coach. Number one, he has a lot to prove. Number one... Why am I saying number one? I don't know why I'm saying number one. (laughs) Number three is he's kind of got that light underneath his butt right now, right? And I think he has a lot to prove. I almost see this as kind of like the do-or-die game for the Raiders. And not necessarily for the Raiders, but for John Gruden. Like, there's high expectations for the Raiders. They have a really solid quarterback in car. They they seem to have a lot of pieces. A lot of people have been talking about Mack leaving um, to Chicago. A lot of people saying that's a huge mistake. I am one of those people. Um, again, I don't know much about that situation from the stats that I see and the type of impact player that he is and even the type of impact that he's having in Chicago right now. That seems to be a mistake on their end. Um, but for this, the reason what makes this an interesting game for me is not necessarily that I think this could be a great game, but what makes it interesting is the fact that this is a coach who it's almost like a do or die situation, right? If they lose this match, it's all hands on deck. The wheels are coming off, basically, right? You, it's almost like the Raider Nation is going to have that mentality of, like, we can't salvage, salvage this season, right? So for me, that's what makes this game kind of interesting for me. I'm extremely interested in seeing what the results of this match is going to be and this game is going to be and to see what the Raiders can do. If the Raiders win then things are going to start calming down for the Raiders, and then we're going to move on to Cleveland versus Raiders. If the Raiders lose, then we have another story. Then we kind of have that scenario of, like, maybe we shouldn't have got Gruden. Maybe Gruden isn't the right fit. So who are you picking? The Raiders? I'm going to go with the Raiders. I I love Gruden. Like, I loved his enthusiasm for Monday Night Football, like, I feel like he was like overly positive about everyone, which was to me I thought was great. Like he always, he thought everyone that he talked about was like the best thing since sliced bread. But that's not a knack on him. I think that's a good thing. He was just a really good job at did a good job at announcing and being passionate about the game. So it's easy for me to root for someone like that, right? So because of that, because I kind of know John Gruden from watching Monday Night Football, I'm gonna go with. Um, 
I'm going to go with the Raiders, even though they're 0-2 and the Dolphins are looking pretty good this year so far at 2-0. and And yeah, they beat the Titans 20-27 to and they beat the Jets, who are, again, they have that rookie quarterback. They're going to ride that wave of being up and down, right? Um, they beat them 20-12. to I'm going to go with the Raiders because I think the Raiders have a lot of potential and they have a lot of talent, and I think this is where they make that turning point. So for no reason or another, I'm just going to go with the Dolphins because they're 2-0. So for all those Dolphin fans out there, I'm with you. Which is probably zero because <laughs> I don't think we have any Dolphin fans that listen to the show. Probably not. Uh, we probably have 10 people that listen, yep. which is great. Yeah. We're definitely. growing. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about growth. So one that I want to talk about is the, the Cowboys Seahawks. Cowboys are 1-1, one one. Seahawks are 0-2. Uh, it just seems like the Seahawks can't seem to get it together, man. I don't know what their deal is. And the Cowboys, I'm not necessarily hyped on what they have going on either. I mean, again, another unimpressive uh, offensive display from Dak. He was 16 of 25 for 160 yards and one touchdown. Again, I think if you're calling yourself America's team, you should be a little bit more explosive than that. And then uh, Zeke had 17 carries for 78 yards and one touchdown. So whatever. I mean, we'll see. Um, obviously, this is a... God, you're so down on the Cowboys. I know, dude. I know. I, but even, here, even with the win, too, you're down here's, on them. Here's the thing. I think the Seahawks are that shitty this year that I'm just going to go with the Cowboys because I. it's not that I think the Cowboys are better. I think the, or the Seahawks are shittier. <laughs> this is the one that I'm... I'm kind of up on the fence on. Um, I think both teams are shitty. Um, but if you look at it, the Seahawks have been, they've been there for most of the game, right? Like 17-24, I know that they made that final push to to make the game somewhat interesting against Chicago. But you always felt like watching that game, and this is one of the games that I did watch, Watching that game, you always felt like maybe there's a chance that Russell Wilson can make this push and bring this team back. I know there's a lot of question marks for Seattle. I know there's a lot of like backlash from for Pete Carroll as far as like how he's managing the team and what's going on in the internal works within that. And I think that's ultimately showing on the field. And I know that they're missing a lot of key players with... Um, within Seattle, especially like on that defensive end. You know, I think they're going to be a threat on the defensive end like they always are. Do I think they're going to be as good as they were a few years when they had the quote-unquote Legion of Boom? 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 Legion of Boom? Um, no, I don't think they are. I, I, I don't think they're going to be as good as that, but I still think that they're going to have a solid team, and I do think that Russell Wilson can win you a game or two here and there, right? If need be, he can make that two-minute two-minute drive and succeed succeed on that right he's a winner he's a competitor you know there's a reason why they were one play away from losing it and a reason why they ended up winning it the year before um so within that i'm not i'm not sold on the cowboys and i've only seen bits and pieces of the cowboys i did watch no i'm not sold like i said i think they're the less shittier team yeah i do think in this scenario i'm kind of reversed on your end I think the Cowboys are the shittier team. I think this is where um, 
Seahawks kind of figure it out a little bit. You know, I know that they're missing some pieces on defense. Earl Thomas just, he didn't even do anything within training camp. I know he had the contract negotiations. Bobby Wagner, you know, their stud on defense is missing. Utah State, shout out. Um, I think as soon as they start getting some of these pieces back on the field, they're going to start we're going to start seeing the Seahawks that we're used to. But only we're only going to see a glimpse of it. Do I I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. I think that's still to be determined. I think they could be a good team. I think they're definitely one of those teams where when you play them, you're going to have to give it your all. Like they could either win. They're not just going to be like last year's Cleveland Brown where you know it's going to be an automatic win for yourself, right? Yeah. Um because of that, I'm going to go with the Seahawks. I do think that this is going to be a close match. Um, I'm not very high on either of these teams, but with that said, I'm going to go with the Seahawks on this one. Okay, awesome. So final topic for tonight. Uh, Typically, we do a making the case during our longer Mm -hmm. episodes, but we're going to do a little mini segment here. And this is more for the – so this is for the Steelers and Buccaneers game. Mm -hmm. And we want to make the case for Ryan Fitzpatrick – to start after Jameis Winston is done with his suspension, which happens after week three, this week. So why are we making the case for Ryan Fitzpatrick? Start us off, my friend. I mean, did you see his outfit after fucking... <laughs> what a boss, dude. What a straight pimp, dude. I, uh, Dude, I wish. I wish I had a goddamn beard like that. For those who don't know me and for those who freaking don't know what I look like. I can't grow a beard to save my life. And one of the things that's always been on my bucket list list was to grow a beard like that. And I think he's just such a boss. You know, that outfit that he wore after, just the amount of swagger that he was, you know, oozing out of him was just, I don't know. I'm feeding into it. Like, I love it, right? I think he's just killing it, dude. Like, against the freaking... So the last game that they played was Philadelphia. They won twenty one twenty seven, and his numbers. Oh my gosh, just godly numbers. Twenty seven for thirty three, four oh two, four TDs, and one interception. And the the game before was very similar. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm the type of person, and I know someone within the Bucks said it. We're we should ride the hot hand. I totally agree. You should ride the hot hand. He is winning you games. You beat a Philadelphia team that is a really damn good team. They won the ring last year. They won the NFL last year. They won the Super Bowl last year. They're a damn good team. And for them to beat them, the only way that they beat them is if your quarterback goes for 402 with four touchdowns. That's the only way you beat them. And I don't think Jameis Winston can do that for you right here, right now. And I think Jameis Winston seems to be having more problems off the field than he is on the field. Absolutely. And, and because I, of that, like... And I think because of that, honestly, like like you just said, ride the hot hand. What are you going to do? Throw Jameis Winston in because he was your number one pick yep. a few years ago? No, that's... You're winning games. Why Why fuck with that right now? Like, you literally are winning games in the NFL, and you're the Buccaneers, and Jameis Winston's not your quarterback. You have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has jumped from team to team, 
and has landed himself here in Tampa Bay. I I think you stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick until until the ship is sailed, I guess. Maybe he proves his case the whole way through the season. I mean, I would be happy if he did. I'm not a huge Jameis Winston fan. Go Ducks. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you take a look at... I'm going to bring us back on track instead of talking about the Ducks. You take a look at week one against New Orleans. 48 New Orleans. 48-40. He goes for 21 of 28. 417, four TDs. And then he has a rushing TD, so he went 12 carries for rushing, 36 yards. I mean, not even the goddamn sheriff at Green Bay is putting up numbers <laughs> like that. Like, I get it. He's the sheriff, and he's going to gunsling it all over, and he's going to win you a game on one leg. But this guy has, two weeks in a row, went for over 400 yards. You have to play him. You have to play him. If you don't play him... You, you as a team, as a organization, your fan base, as soon as Jameis Winston makes one interception, your fan base is going to turn on you that well, quick. And is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to bring the same energy if you bench him and then you decide to bring him back? Absolutely not. And from the sound of it, it looks like the team in and itself, the players in and itself, want Fitzpatrick. They have the mentality of he's Killing it right here, right now. Let's ride the hot hand. And that's the mentality that I have. You know, like, if you're throwing 400 yards in two games, I'm going to freaking play you. Yeah. I'm sorry that you got suspended for three games, but it's almost like the whole thing with Alex Smith. You know, how he lost his position in San Francisco to, 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 to Kaepernick. That's the same scenario, you know. Cap was killing it. And when Alex Smith got healthy, even though he was killing it before, you're riding the hot hand, and you should ride the hot hand. You know, I'm. You know, it sucks to lose your job to an injury or a suspension or whatever it may be. Like that sucks. But the case is, is this guy is balling out, and not only is he balling out on the field, he's balling out during the press conferences. <laughs> With the way he looks. Yeah, he said he got his outfit from Deshaun Jackson. (laughs) Of course he did. (laughs) Of course he did, man. Deshaun Jackson be balling out too. So um, uh, I think it's safe to say we're both rooting for the Bucks in this case because we we want to see... Uh, we want to see Fitzpatrick being in the starting lineup next week. I think if they lose this week and he doesn't have... The best game, I think he he could even have a mediocre game. I think the Bucks are considering, do we go back to Jameis Winston? And you want, like, me personally, I want to root for someone like Fitzpatrick. Like, someone that coming into the season was a backup, you know? And even the struggles that he went through when he was with the Jets, you know, going through that roller coaster of the up and down I want to root for someone like that. And I love the personality behind it. Like me personally, I love that entertainment of him, the post game where he's, you're basically seeing all of his freaking chest hair. You're seeing the freaking gold (laughs) chains and you're seeing the glorious beard. That is Fitzpatrick, right? I love that. I love that personality and he's backing it up right now. And for me, I want to see more of that. I want to support that. Everyone can support an underdog. And I'm personally the type of person that 
I love the underdog, which is why I'm going for the Cleveland Browns. I really want to see them turn that page and actually potentially make the playoffs. I want to see Fitzpatrick continue on playing, and I want to see what he does. You know, and he, he's played against two really solid teams, and he's put up some really unreal numbers, not just average numbers, unreal numbers. I mean, he, he's 80, 78.7% completion rate with eight, eight, I'm needing to read this like 10 times because I can't believe it, 819 with eight TDs. That's incredible through the air. That's incredible. And you have to ride the hot hand. I can't say it enough. Can't say it enough. I will be super, I will be super upset if the Bucks end up going with Winston after this week. Okay. And I think everyone else will be. All right. Okay, man. Well, that is it. We have a few uh, topics that we're excited to discuss later on in the week. So be sure to listen to the podcast again. You can find us on Anchor. Soon we will be on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Whatever. Everywhere else. Everywhere else we're going to be there. So make Except sure, for Pornhub. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe. Unless, <laughs> unless I, allow it. I don't know if this is a... Well, I, I don't know if it's probably not. I'll take that back. <laughs> we can cut this out. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how how fast we can get on those other platforms. But be sure to tell your friends about us, the sports project, and any other last words. Stay cool. Stay cool.